Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We are so excited that you decided to tune in today. I am Tara Martin, your host, and we have a very special guest, my friend Rodney Turner, who is a jack of all trade in education, but honestly, I met this man at a conference at ISTE, one of the biggest conferences in the, probably in education in the US for sure, um, that I've ever been to anyway. And I was my first time there and he really just took me under his wing and showed me the ropes around um, ISTE. And from that moment on, we were fast friends. <laughs> but Rodney has done a lot of cool things. He's been a pre-K teacher, a sixth grade teacher. He moved into tech integration specialist uh, for his district. And he now works as the manager of ed educational success for ClassLink. So welcome, Rodney, to The Real Journey Show. Thank you so very much, Tara. I'm happy to be here. Just so you know, I'm master of none of those trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think of you as the tech dude. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> I always do, though. <laughs> is, is it the name, Techie Turner? <laughs> Maybe so. And then I met you at a tech conference. So I'm just like, he knows everything tech. I'm like, how many problems? I should probably just call Rodney. <laughs> awesome. Do you remember meeting at the ISTE conference? Yes, I do. It was you were just a ball of energy as you are now. So <laughs> hasn't changed much. Well, I really appreciate you there. And I know you've done that for a lot of people because my dearest friend Tish has talked about that. I think on this podcast, but for sure on her podcast, uh, meeting you and you doing the same thing for her, just making her feel welcome. It was a different conference, but same Rodney Turner helping everybody out. <laughs> you know, the reason why the reason why I did I did that and and will continue to do that is because I, I know what it feels like to be at a huge conference all alone, no no one that's there, and then be able to um, not experience as much of the atmosphere as it has to offer. So I mean, I spent my time in San Diego in 2006, 2007, 2006, I think it was, and it was definitely, definitely lonely. Don't get me wrong. I saw really a lot of really neat things, but it wasn't the same without a group of people. Yeah, agreed. And I remember you telling me um, something that I've taken with all the conferences I've been to. So if you're listening out there and you've never been to ISTE, really none of us are going anywhere right now. It's COVID. But, <laughs> but yep. besides that, if you ever get a chance to go in person, one of the best pieces of advice you gave me is just that um, to cherish those moments that you get to collaborate with educators outside of the um, sessions, because a lot of times those are the things where you have these 
deep conversations and you can just go to the next level with whatever it is that you're creating or innovating or trying to do in your classroom. And I was so grateful for that little piece of advice because I was trying to get to so many sessions, take a jillion notes, and it was better just to pack my day out with sessions, yes, but also cherish those moments as well. Absolutely. I know you're all about that. So Rodney, we are so excited to have you on The Real Journey Show. And everyone here that's been here before, you know that The Real Journey Show stems off the acronym from my book, which is about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. And so Rodney, I'd love for you to share an event or a series of events that's happened in your life that's shaped you into the awesome human that you are today just a wide open question <laughs> it's huge it's huge so you said we have two hours right this is a two hour show <laughs> you guys fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go no um <clears throat> the piece that has been really you know it, it goes back and it relates back to just being able to go to a conference and not having the people around you that you've that you need to help and to grow because teaching in itself is an isolating event in that you go into your classroom, you have a whole bunch of little faces, darling faces looking up at you, waiting and hanging on every single word, which I know they did for you, Tara, but not for me, but <laughs> it's isolating because once you get out, you're like, oh, let me talk to another teacher. And that was always something that I craved because I wanted to make sure that I could do better, but that type of feedback wasn't really available inside the classroom. So one of the things that helped me is to know that there are people who are out there who do help and are happy to help. Now, it's interesting to note that my teaching really did not take off until I jumped on Twitter. I mean, that's, I'm just going to be absolutely honest. And those that know me or have heard of me previously, that's where I started was on Twitter. So I started reaching out to different people with help for different things that were going on in my classroom and feedback and collaboration. And that completely exposed me to a ton, a ton of new ideas, new procedures and new friends. Agreed. I I think Twitter has been just a game changer. Same for me. That's the whole reason I met you. That's the whole reason I went to ISTE. I didn't even know what ISTE stood for um, when I was headed there. And so I think that is so true. And it's so incredible to use social media for the good, right? We see it all the time being used um, to hurt to spread hate, frustration, those kinds of things. But what you and I are talking about is when you found Twitter and you were able to find your tribe and be able to collaborate with them and enhance your teaching. So tell us more. So once you got connected on Twitter, you started finding all these innovators out there doing some cool stuff. Like how did that transform your world of education? What did that look like, sound like, feel like afterward? Wow. <laughs> so, as we know, Twitter didn't come out until 2007, and by then, I had already been in the classroom for six years, and so the, the, the first 
previous six years, I was a, well, seven years, preschool teacher. And then when I got a job as an official teacher, professional teacher, I taught sixth grade. So sixth grade, I taught fifth grade, a five-six combo, which was a lot of fun. But then, um, oh, please forgive me. I didn't jump into Twitter until 2009. So I was not, I was a teacher for eight years. Awesome. And by that time, man. <laughs> time flies. <laughs> absolutely flies. So anyway, <clears throat> I had already taught fifth grade, fourth grade, um, and been in, sorry, when I was teaching fourth grade is when I had jumped into Twitter. And it absolutely opened my mind to a lot of different things. So feeling, the feeling of I'm not alone, the feeling of being able to talk to a Canadian um, as a Canadian colleague and to say, hey, I'm doing a weather lesson. What are you doing? Well, yeah, we're kind of doing something with weather. Like, okay, do you have a certain timeline? No. Great. Let's do it on this date and get that taken care of. And it was awesome just to see then what did it look like? The faces of children who were able to talk to other children who were hours ahead of us, but in a completely different type of um, environment. And that was awe-inspiring, definitely awe-inspiring, especially when you can connect it to how the sun moves across the sky. The sun, the sun in Arizona moves across the sky at a specific rate. Of course, that we all know that Arizona doesn't change their time. So they have a specific time in which the sun sets. And it varies, but to be exposed to someone who lives in a completely different country, higher north in the atmosphere, in the hemisphere, not the atmosphere, in the hemisphere, <laughs> then they find out how the sun looks different and the days operate different. And they're like blown away. And just seeing that they want to jump in and to learn more about it. <clears throat> and by the time the test, actual test comes around, they pass it all. <laughs> right. Because they experienced it. Right. The experiences. And that was one of the things that helped me also to know that when I'm in the classroom, I want to make sure that I build as much experience into whatever I'm doing. I do my best. I did my best to make sure that I would either get some type of speaker or some type of, um, some type of activity that in that involved them that engrossed them enough. I always loved the hook and the hook is something that I found to be very important. And it doesn't have to be complex, but it does need to be it does need to apply to what you're trying to teach them. Exactly. I love that. And, you know, as a little kid, I never traveled hardly outside of my city. I mean, we were we didn't have any money. And so to have had the experiences to be able to connect with people out of the country and learn from them, you know, even as the teacher. So mm -hmm. way later, I um, just getting to experience that as the teacher, I was equally as excited as the third graders. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> Especially with our friends in China or, um, mm -hmm. um, Australia, both of them, we collaborate. We did some collaborations with the 
classes over there and to have such a huge time difference and it's like summertime in Australia when it's winter here. It was just so fun and cool to be able to learn about those kinds of things and realize the world is so much bigger than our little tiny town. (laughs) (laughs) But our social media and our collaborations have made it so much smaller. It's true. <laughs> That's a really profound so, statement. <laughs> so much smaller. Now, it's interesting that you say Australia is because I have a friend that I made back in 2009. She lives in Australia. And we were a part of a uh, collaboration with a friend who was in Canada. So there is a YouTube out there, video out there, the Global Classroom. Three O's, by the way, three O's, Global Classroom. Oh, so, fine. I think it's three O's, maybe three S's. I don't know. But anyway, it's out there and it was made back in 2000 and I want to say nine, eight, eight or nine. So look for it. And it's just something that I can step back and I can say, we helped to do that. And that was, I was teaching fourth grade at the time. The kids loved it. The kids absolutely loved it. So and like you said, anytime we can tie it to the content, they're just going to remember that stuff. It's, it's just ingrained. Like you don't have to do a worksheet. You don't have to do all that stuff because they, yep. they know it. They experienced it. And, you know, I, I do have another story to tell. I was Go teaching sixth grade. I was teaching sixth grade at the time. I think it was my second year teaching. And I have had, I had a, um, really crazy day something had happened i wasn't feeling well and we were talking about weather and things like that and you're with sixth graders it's near the end of the day and i said you know what let's go outside they're like what 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 are, what are we going to do outside i said okay here's the rules this is before i got on twitter or anything else like that i said here's the rules we're going to go outside and we've been talking about the all of the different types of clouds that are out there here's what you're going to do you are going to take a a piece of paper and a pencil and something hard to write on. If you want to lay down on your coat, you want to lay down in the grass, that's perfectly fine with me, but I need you looking up in the clouds and identifying all the different types of clouds that were coming, that are floating over. Why did I do that? (laughs) It was purely a selfish reason, okay? Because I was tired and I wanted to grade papers, but I needed them to do something to apply what they had known. But I mean, at the same time, I already knew what type of clouds were coming over because I had paid attention to see the weather system. Well, anyway, long story short, I still have a student of mine who keeps in contact with me. And whenever she meets someone who doesn't know the story, she tells them that was an absolute awesome time to be in the classroom with I remember we talked about clouds. We were outside, laying in the grass, and it was so peaceful. It was quiet. And I'm like, you remember that? She's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, oh, okay, I remember that now. And she's like, I still remember the clouds. I still remember what they are. And my friend, all my friends look at me crazy. (laughs) It's so fun, though. I love it when my students, there's quite a few of my students that are friends with me on Facebook now. Um, they're all in college now, and um, they'll say stuff like that. Hey, Miss Martin, do you remember that lesson when um, we wrapped out the planets? I'm like, I do, actually. <laughs> Clearly, I did not know what I was doing. But, but that was like their favorite 
type of music. And so I was just trying to bring it into the classroom and they actually <laughs> helped me come up with them. The lyrics, we had so much fun, but they really learned all the planets. And I don't even know if they teach that in their grading more, but they did back then. <laughs> and so we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, but yeah, it's the little things that they remember or just going outside and taking a picnic every Friday afternoon we had picnic lunch if it mm -hmm. was beautiful weather and so anybody who wanted to join me for lunch could it wasn't like a reward system it wasn't like anyone was excluded but if they wanted to join me for lunch we would sit out on this big old quilt that i had <laughs> and i have no idea how many of my students come back and tell me that was one of their favorite things that we did but they loved that like everybody got to come even if we got in trouble even if they were in detention no matter what they got to come eat lunch with me and so mm -hmm. that was just <laughs> it's always the little things that they really remember absolutely and the other piece that i i learned and just from the fact that taking the information that i had get gleaned from other um from other colleagues from other places because of those connections has helped helped me tremendously to um, to connect with my students even more. And when I connected with the students and they knew that I really cared, then they were more apt to not to be any type of um, behavior issues in the classroom. So the connections that I made actually gave me more confidence as a teacher, more um, more people to talk to. But also it helped me to understand that I am not alone in this teaching realm. Agreed. I love that you talked about the, the confidence of the teacher. I think that is the piece where it was so eye-opening for me too, just that I felt like I was already an innovator. And then when I joined Twitter, I was like, whoa, I'm not doing even a fraction of the things that these people yep. are doing. It was yep. a little overwhelming because there were so many cool ideas out there and I wanted to try yep. all of them. Um, but like you said, just reminding yourself that you're not alone, that there's people out there to collaborate with. And sometimes they're trying some really amazing things. It's helping them connect with their kids that you can bring into your classroom and help connect. But the one piece that you just mentioned is just how that connection individually with your students just went up. You know, you were able to take that to the next level and it all stemmed from one, building the confidence, but also learning about all these new ideas and things to bring into your classroom. So I'm curious, um, Rodney, what would you say to people who choose not to be a connected educator or choose not to use technology to amplify their practice? What would you say to them? I mean, what are the consequences if we, we choose not to do that? So, wow, that is a that is a very very difficult question to to answer. But I'm going to do my best. What would I say? If a teacher has chosen not to be an an educator, you know what? Let me go back to my time as a technology integration specialist. Once I realized that this whole world was open, and someone chose not to do that. First of all, I would respect that, and I wouldn't try to force down, force uh, social media. This is what I've done. This is what I've done. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I would actually do it 
in a different way. I would actually, and I, you know what, I can think of, I can think of several instances where I have done this <laughs> to a couple of teachers. I said, hey, I have this really cool idea. How about you try this? But to take my time and to be with them and to talk with them and to interact with them as much as possible and then introduce different ideas that they could use, different things that they could look into and to try, knowing good and well that I got it from another friend of mine off of social media or off of Twitter, knowing that this would be something that would be really great. So introducing ideas slowly. So when they do say, that's an awesome idea, where'd you get that? Oh, well, I, I saw this friend of mine was doing this and this is where I found it. Okay, that's awesome, that's great. But then by that time, it's an introduction of some, doing something very slowly, not forcing them to be connected educators, but improving them in their, um, improving them, helping them to improve in their craft. So what would I say? Okay, I get it, I understand, it's a lot. Absolutely, I'm still here for you. I'm still here to help. It's true, <laughs> I, I think that's the sweetest thing to say. I think as a coach, I was much the same. You know, I would go in and co-teach with them maybe have a guest speaker come in on Google Hangout. That's kind of a great way. If you need an author, I'm out there. I'm ready for you uh, with a picture book. I can read your babes. And that's Same one way blog. to kind of ease it in. Like the author comes in, reads the book, and, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, we made this connection, you know, and getting kids involved. But technology, I just it's not going anywhere. And we're we're hearing more and more how people are using it to improve their craft. That's exactly what you were talking about. And I, I do think it's worthy of mentioning, you know, if we choose not to be a connected educator in this day and this time, I don't think that's a great choice. And I'm not really trying to lose listeners out there, but I don't think it's, if you're listening to a podcast, you probably are connected in yes. some way. Yes, but you are. I just, I think you're missing out on a lot of really amazing opportunities that you can provide your learners. I 100% I believe that. Um, and I think, Rodney, I feel like we can move on to something more positive, <laughs> but I do like talking about the consequences. If we choose not to believe this, like what does that look like, sound like, feel like? So I'm curious about the flip side of that. So what do you promise educators once they get connected? What has happened to you and all the people that you've chosen to mentor like me and Tish and all the others that you take under your wing at these conferences and help us to find our PLN? What do you promise to those educators that are like, I'm going to just cannonball in and try it? So my, here's my first promise. It is going to be hard. It's going to be absolutely nearly impossible to keep up with everything else everyone else is doing. Everything else everyone else is doing. It's going to be impossible. It's not going to work. And you will burn yourself out if you do not realize that it's not a, um, it's not a contest. It's not a, um, a talent show. It's people doing and accomplishing what they can with what they have. And all of us have different types of talents. And since we do have different types of talents, we have the ability to um, make changes where we are with what we have. So my promise <laughs> to those that wanna jump in is 
do your best with what you have. Sure, feel free to look at what everyone else is doing, seeing what you can do to copy it, but use what you have that's in front of you. So here's my, my example. I thought, yeah, here's what I could do. It was my second year um, with, it's my first year with fourth graders. And I thought, you know what? I could do paper blogging. This would be absolutely awesome. Let me tell you, it was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult to do. Um, fortunately, I did have access to some um, scrapbooking. They were like the 12 by 12 scrapbooking things. And so it was difficult to implement it and to get it up and going because it had to be multiple times, had to first know how to, had to teach the students the basics, how to read, how to make sure you read for content, for questions, and being able to develop those questions, all of those pieces. But I got that idea because I saw another teacher in California doing it. She had um, blog after blog about it, and I read them all because I wanted to make sure I was able to do exactly the same thing she could do. Well, it ends up that I couldn't. It couldn't. I couldn't do it because um, the school that I was at was very, um, what's a nice way to say this, focused, very focused on test scores. And so my time to do the paper blogs was on a Friday, Friday afternoon, because it was a perfect time to chill, to come down. And it was also my uh, reading time. It was a great reading time. We could read things, we could write, best handwriting. But we were focused on that testing, so that time was taken away from me. But, but I did not become discouraged because what did I do with those scrapbooking pieces? Well, by the time that was taken away from me, students had done their different articles. Students had done different little post-it um, post notes and with comments and questions that they had for those different pieces that their classmates had done. And we had displayed all of them in this huge cabinet that was in the wall. And students, hundreds of students would walk by it every day. And I would see a lot of them stop and read different things. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. And when it came time for it to be taken down, then a lot of the students wanted that work. They wanted to take their work home with them because they were really proud of it. That's what I got out of it. It's not that it didn't go exactly as I wanted to do, but it still was successful because a student and multiple students benefited from that type of learning process and activity that we did. So another promise is that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be absolutely difficult, but it's worth it. Agreed. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I'm not really trying to bring up Cannonball in, but it just reminds me of that analogy because you cannonballed in to Twitter, cannonballed in on a new idea that wasn't really going to fit exactly in your schedule. And while you might not have thought your splash was extraordinary, the kids are were benefited from that ripple effect and they loved it and to them it was the best cannonball ever because they wanted to take that work home and i think that's something we have to remember as we're innovating as we're trying something new um yes and i feel like in a tweet they just can't tell you 
all the details of everything that happened and didn't. And so you see something and you're like, boom, I'm doing that. And you're like, oh my God, this is a crap show. <laughs> like, what is happening right now? But, um, and then the kids are like, that was the best lesson ever. Yep. <laughs> and so it's always interesting how that happens. I think that's a great promise. And I found that to be true in my world and with the teachers that I've been able to assist in getting connected experiencing a very similar process. So I love that you've talked a little bit about, you know, your connected journey and how it enhanced your practice and all those that you've served as well. And we talked a little bit about consequences, like, man, if you just choose not to be connected in this day and age, well, you're missing out on some great opportunities, but there are some great promises out there that your kids could really benefit from. Will it be easy? No, but will it be worth it? Yes. And so I'm curious about the worth it part, you know, the rewards that you've experienced through these experiences from taking this leap and, and growing in this direction by not only connecting, but, but sharing that with others. I think that's something you're so great at. So it's interesting that you asked that because the benefits that I've gained from this journey has been absolutely huge, absolutely huge. So um, <laughs> the question is, where do I start? <laughs> the huge well, question mean, is, where do I start? So yeah. no, I'm going to go ahead and start. Here's, I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, 2013, met hundreds of people that I'd only seen on Twitter at a conference in uh, ISTE. Loved, loved, loved the opportunity. <laughs> took easily 150, 200 pictures with all these different people, which by the way, I'm going to create a collage of every single picture that I've taken with every single person at all the conferences. I'm going to make a collage of it and I will put that out. Um, number two, I have gained, I've gained a whole bunch of friends, lifelong friends from just reaching out and talking to people. And I've gained a lot of uh, friends inadvertently from other connections that I've had with other people. Um, is it okay to name names? Yeah, like me, I'm one of those because Tisha was your friend and then I became your friend through Tisha. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally name names. Like Tara totally Martin. name names. <laughs> no, Tara Martin. Yeah, number you one. Really number one Tara. <laughs> you can just name mine. It's cool. <laughs> so, um, way back in 2009, there's a couple of people. So, um, iPods. I'd gotten an iPod. Jenny Ashby, Jennifer Ashby in Australia. Absolutely, she was doing iPods with first graders. And I had fifth graders at the time. Wonderful, lifelong friend. Um, Krista Anderson. Remember Google Wave? Yeah. Google Wave. She had an invitation because it was invi by invite only. She got an invitation. And I'm like, anybody, 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 please give me an invitation. She's like, hey, I got one. And I'm like, will you please? She's like, yeah, sure. So she sent it to me, lifelong friend. Um, along that same line, let me just go ahead and keep going on that line. Uh, that was 2009. I didn't meet her in person until 2015 in Philadelphia. 
and then from there whenever we're at a conference together it's as though that it's the same conversation not the same conversation but it's something that we stick together we do different things we hang out we come back together at a time we have dinner but we also bring in other people as well uh, small groups because we find that it's important to reconnect as you said earlier that i had mentioned that it's important to and cherish those times outside of the conference sure there may be get big get togethers but it's those little times that you have to connect reconnect with your tribe so krista is definitely a part of my tribe one of the things that i also realized too is that um that has helped me to make sure that has grounded me as a person is that um, it's helped me to understand that I am an ambivert. <laughs> I'm definitely an ambivert, so I can operate in both spheres, but I, I do have some friends that will laugh at me when I say this, but well, some know this actually already, but now the whole world's gonna know and I'm <laughs> gonna tell you now. Um, those loud banging parties, can't handle them. Mm -hmm. No more. Can't do it anymore. So I'll be there for a little bit, but I'm, I'm still, I'm learning, okay, I need my quiet. I need to calm down. I need to just like, okay, breathe, decompress, because it's been a long day. It's been an absolutely long day, especially when you're at these different events. You have to be up, you have to be on, but then being able to know more um knowing where your limit is so that has tremendously helped me but I think that emotional response too is just a cool thing that a lot of our authors at dbc inc you know will experience they're like do you find that you are just kind of running on this high if you will like when you're speaking when you're walking when you're mm -hmm. interacting and the same way uh luckily i room with tish all the time when we travel to conferences together because we both know that we need just like peace and quiet for an hour just to regroup yep. um but it's true i think the one of the rewards of being so connected right because you know all these people you're having to talk to these people you're interacting you're saying things you're giving answers, you're collaborating. So yep. a lot of decisions being made mm -hmm. that's different than in the classroom or in the school system. Yes. And it takes a different level of energy and knowing like what emotional responses you need to be able to keep functioning like that in those kinds of settings. That is a reward, really, mm -hmm. because we aren't in tune with that if we aren't experiencing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the last seven years of my life is understanding that I do have these emotional responses to certain things and knowing what those triggers are. But at the same time, being able to connect with people who have the same triggers and they understand what that relationship is and what to do with it. So even though I still may be in a group, it's nice, quiet, calm, and it's a place that I love to thrive. I love, love, love to thrive. So, so I kind of hear you saying one more thing that um, maybe one of your rewards is learning um, to be more empathetic, like how you've learned more about yourself, but it's helped you to be more empathetic to those that are around you. And probably that transfers right into the system that you're working in as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
the other piece too that I've I've learned a lot about is well that I didn't realize about myself. I always thought I was like nice, happy, like really active guy, but I've I've been told a lot that you know you're calm, you're quiet, and that's that's what I enjoy because you know after being in the classroom, you have those little people everywhere. <laughs> And, you know, there's just times where you need to calm down. I mean, it also is because I'm getting older, too. So there's that. <laughs> it's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. I, um, I'm curious, though, professionally, I mean, of course, there were rewards there. So you moved mm -hmm. on from teaching tech integration specialist and now a class link manager of Ed Success. Do you feel like by being connected and going through all these different roles in education, it sets you up for um, a professional reward <laughs> or success. <laughs> so it's interesting that you mentioned that. That, absolutely, absolutely. Being a teacher in a classroom, being able to empathize with teachers, being a technology integration specialist, learning how to uh, basically teach, coach adults, how to work with them in their own way and to do a lot of hand-holding, a white glove service, um, and working in their classrooms and being beside them, understanding what type of challenges they come across, but also because, um, but also knowing from a district admin point of view, the school district that I left as from being a teacher, I was a part of the curriculum and instruction team mm. when I was um, the one of the um, technology integration specialists. I loved it. I loved it because I was able to see what district decisions were made. And then I was also able to translate that to the teachers. Why was this being done? Da, 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 da. It's like, okay, here's why. Here's the rationale behind it. And they were like, oh, well, that makes sense. Or they had something else to say as feedback. And then I could take it back to the team and say, okay, this is what our teachers are saying. Was this really a good idea? Or how can we refine our processes? Um, that, tr that experience definitely made me, um, definitely prepared me for my position at ClassLink because that's exactly what I do. I work with um, district folks. I work with superintendents. I work with IT and teachers. And I haven't had any opportunities with students yet, but it's also helped me to be able to go to different conferences and say, hey, talk to me about your situation. Where are you? All right, here's, what, here's how we can alleviate those pain points. Or, you know what, here's an idea that you could possibly try to help with that. So it's broadened my horizons, definitely. And to be able to be a better project manager, which is essentially what I do, be, be, able, be a better project manager, but also to be able to empathize with those different um, people who do have to make those decisions on the ground in the moment and support them the best, as, the best way possible. So those of you that are out there who are listening to this 2012 2020 the summer of 2020 and getting ready for school was like nothing else nothing else that anyone has ever seen 
And let me tell you, we completely sympathize. I completely sympathize because I had a hundred different clients who were trying to get up and get ready for school. Some made it, others didn't. But the important part was that I was there and is able to do my best to sympathize with them. And it, being a teacher helped, helped with that process. Every single person on my team used to be a teacher. So we all understand what was happening in the district level as well as in the school level. I love that. And I appreciate that. And I'm sure listeners do too. It's the human behind the tech. And I always say that if we can't see, feel, and understand, or at least try to understand the human behind the tech, then what are we even doing? You know, we're not little robots. So I really right. appreciate that about your team at ClassLink and how you guys are just real. And you've been in the education system. You've been in the classroom. You get it. And so you're there for them. And this has been just the most challenging year. I'm kind of curious. We have time for just one more question. So um, 2020. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. But um, <laughs> I'm curious to know, we talked about you know, this journey, basically, from you getting connected, it changing the face and the way that you do what you do professionally, personally, it helped you grow exponentially as well. Um, how has all of these experiences, or maybe just part of them shaped and helped you to survive this year? Number one, I am very, I'm one of the blessed to have a job that I can do remotely, period. I mean, that's the first thing. Um, being able to do it remotely and to talk to people um, on a time frame has been tremendously important. But with that said, it's also been a really good opportunity for me to be able to talk to people. <laughs> because yeah. if I didn't talk to people or had to do some type of programming or things like that, I wouldn't have any voices around or anyone else to talk to and to communicate. So I'm very thankful for this job for that I have it, but also because I could talk to people and to share my expertise and what I've done. It's also given me a, a really great opportunity to talk to my friends even more. I, I know it seems kind of crazy, but you can talk to them even more because we do now set times of, hey, let's meet. Um, Google me. I have, a, I have a coffee. I have yeah. a coffee talk with some friends, um, excuse me, with Rochelle, mm -hmm. Rochelle DeNapoth, with uh, Mandy Fralick, with Jennifer Cassatod, with <laughs> Tisha. <laughs> That's so cool, though. I mean, it's true. Like, you just jump on a Zoom, and never would we think we needed to do that before. We would just see no. each other at conferences, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not happening. <laughs> right. Since the conference is not happening, we now had to reallocate our time to talk to people. But I've also had other times and opportunities to talk to other friends um, even more because, you know, I mean, once I'm done with work, what do I need to do? Just step away from my computer and I'm done. I'm gone. So to talk to other friends that I've had throughout the, um, throughout my time in education, um, 
Laura Sheehy. She is now in Texas. We used to work together in, well, we ran in the same circles in, in Arizona, but she now lives in Texas. So I get to talk to her. I have a scheduled one a monthly call with her and we talk for about two hours, two, two and a half hours at times. And it's awesome because we have the time. I think so, it is. I think it is it that we have the time or is it that we make the time? You know what? That's a great question. Do we make it or we have it? I think it's a little bit of both. both maybe. A little bit of both because we're not out running around. We're not in a car commuting. So True. therefore we do have more time to be able to dedicate to this, but also there's been a damper put on the activities that we would normally do. Yeah. So we're now reallocating it to those things that we really want to do. Mm-hmm. And we miss that connection. I know that Rodney and myself and Tisha, we all went on a FaceTime walk. Um, <laughs> it was a Zoom walk, actually. Yep. Um, we just got many people on the Zoom walk and we were going to all go walking anyway. And normally we would just walk without talking to each other on FaceTime, but it made it so much more fun to see our friends. And I think a lot of people are experiencing those kinds of rewards too, but, mm-hmm. but it all go- kind of goes back to being connected and not being fearful of technology. Yes. You know? We're like, yes. okay, well, we can just connect like this and let's just try this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that has been so beneficial. So very beneficial. Um, and also with that time, you also have more time to dedicate to other types of hobbies. Now, I, I do have more time for hobbies because, you know, I'm the only one in my house. So... <laughs> Once I once I'm done with my podcast, what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat and do launch into something else that I can certainly do. But it's always this this year has been a definitely a growth year of introspection, of in, um, being able to talk to other people and to learn more about them and my friends that I wouldn't other wouldn't otherwise because I mean it's like once a year at a conference. But it's made my whole my whole life more rounded, and I hope that it's hopefully been the same for you. Definitely, definitely. Well, Rodney, this is such a beautiful journey. Thank you for sharing so much, and I just feel like we've learned so much from you today. You know, there might be one or two people out there that doesn't already follow you. I can't imagine why, but. If they are and they want to start following you and learning from you as well, how can they get connected with you? So the, there are two different ways you can get connected with me. One is through Twitter, at Techie Turner, T-E-C-H-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R, or you can find me on Voxer, the same handle, Techie Turner. Awesome. And he is so great at responding. So if you see some wonderful things that are happening out there, you hear something in this podcast that you just firmly believe in, you want to say something about it, please do send it out into the Twitter sphere and tag um, Rodney, tag me and use the hashtag real journey show. We would love to hear your feedback on the show. And we're always interested in learning more about your story and how you're connecting with 
Rodney's story or whatever story is being told that day. So please do share. That's so exciting. Thanks again for joining the show. Thank you so very much for having me, Tara. So fun. So fun. Until our next conference. (laughs) I'm a pro now. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I'll see you there. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining The Real Journey Show. We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.